Today's reading is Mark 9, 14 through 29. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he rose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is the word of the Lord. My name is Daniel Long. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. And considering this last week and all of the different stories, things that we've read or we've seen on television, um, I think it's only fitting that we pray. Because it feels as if the world is very, is very tenuous. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of what feels like uncertainty. There's certainly a lot of violence and sadness. And God says to bring all of those things, all of ourselves, before him. And so I'd like to pray for our world, for us, that God's kingdom would come and that his will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I trust that you look upon us and you see us but not only that, but that you're in the midst of us and that you're with us. So we come before you with all these stories of sadness that we've heard this last week. The people who've been killed, the lives that have been taken, lives that you've made and you've created in your image. And so, Father, I ask that you would bring peace and comfort to the families of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, to Brent Thompson, to Patrick Zamaripa, to Michael Kroll, to Lauren Ahrens, 
to Michael Smith that you would bring your healing and your comfort and your peace. God, I ask that you would bring your reconciliation to this world. You tell us that the way toward life is to love our enemies, and God, we need your strength to be able to do that. You tell us to pray and to ask that your kingdom would come. And so we ask that your kingdom would come, that you would end racism, that you would end death, that you would end violence. All the cycles that are perpetuated and that keep on going and going and going, I pray that you would put a stop to that. God, I think of you in the Exodus story in which your people cried out and you heard their cries and so you came and you made a way through where it seemed like there would be no way. And so I ask for a way through. I ask for an Exodus. I ask for resurrection. I ask for healing. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think thinking about that, all of these things this last week, and then we had a prayer time before we were talking about taking risks in the service, and in the midst of that time and then afterward, I, I just, a, a verse came to mind, and see, these three pages represent the notes that I've actually prepared for the whole week, and we might make our way to them, but I felt as if God maybe was wanting to say something else to us, or something more. And so that intro is actually like, one. Of, it should freak you out, because it freaks me out. Um, but here we go, and we'll see what happens, and I'm sure we'll come back around to the story that we heard read, because I think it's all connected, because it is scripture. But here's the verse that I feel like God was, was um, that just came to mind. Matthew eleven twenty five. If you want to turn there, you can. Um, and we'll see where this takes us. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great journey. So Matthew eleven twenty five says this, At that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. It's hard for me to say that, I think, without getting emotional, because I think that um, there's a sense in which I think, well, a lot of us are tired. There's a sense in which a lot of us are burdened. And then we have these words that Jesus speaks to us that says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I think we could all use a little rest. 
I think our world could use a little rest from all of the things that seem to take it over, from all of the violence that just seems to shred the lives of people, from all of the bitterness that I, I know exists in this community, from all of the broken relationships that I'm aware of, we could all use a little rest. We could all use a little healing. And Jesus says, come to me. Jesus tells us to come to him, for he will give us rest. Now, I don't know all of the things that you might go to for rest, but I know that they will always come up short. Because Jesus is the one who can give us rest and hope and healing and joy. All the things that I think we could use a little more of. But what keeps us from coming to Jesus? What keeps us from from actually stepping toward him, leaning into him? What are the things that might be barriers to that? What are the ways that we feel shackled? Freedom, as John said, came up a lot. So what are the ways in which we don't feel like we're free? Is it shame? Is there a sense in which you feel like you can't come to Jesus because of who you might be or what you've done? Jesus tells you, come to me. Is it a sense of, of, of hopelessness or despair that what is the point Jesus says, come to me. Is it a sense of apathy? Is it a sense of, of cynicism? I don't know what it is, but what are the things that are keeping you from going to Jesus? Because he is the one who will give you the rest that you want. He is the one who will give you a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light and a life that will actually feel as if you are living. We come to this story in Mark 9. So this is great. It's connecting, which is helpful. So we, we come to this story in Mark 9, and we see this father who's at his wit's end. He's in many ways, seems hopeless and despairing. His son is possessed by a demon. And he brings him to Jesus, who Jesus is kind of in this crowd where there's this arguing going on, and And the father says, can you heal my son? He has a spirit in him that throws him to the ground and makes him foam at the mouth, grind his teeth. And it's been happening to him since childhood and sometimes it throws him into fire. And he says, Jesus, can you do something? I asked your disciples and they, they were lame and they weren't able to. And Jesus Jesus looks at him and and the man says, well, if you can, can you heal my son? And Jesus says, if you can, repeating the question. He says, I can do, it's amazing what things can actually happen if you believe. And so the man says, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. 
And I think sometimes we don't come to Jesus for the rest that we need is because we feel or we believe or we think that we actually need to be 100% on one side and not the other. That we want to come to Jesus and we might feel shackled by shame or by doubt or by cynicism or whatever. But perhaps there's an inkling in us that can move us toward Jesus. Like the father in the story, he leans into Jesus. And something surprising actually takes place. Something remarkable actually happens. His son is healed. What's keeping you from going to Jesus? What's keeping you from getting the rest that Jesus offers, from getting the life that only is found in him? Maybe you doubt that Jesus is actually the thing that will give you the life that you, that you desire, the rest that you need. Maybe there is a doubt in your life that is keeping you from going. So you doubt, so what? Here's a father who, ha- who, who shows us that it's actually possible to have both faith and belief and unbelief side by side. And what makes this man's story and what makes this character so incredible is that in spite of having both of those things as a reality, he leans into Jesus. He brings his son before Jesus. That's all he's able to do with hope that perhaps Jesus can do something and Jesus does. It's a beautiful story of someone who seems so desperate and unsure, but knows that he's heard stories about this Jesus. And maybe if he can just be in, get to Jesus and put his son at the feet of Jesus, then maybe something will actually happen and something does. And I love this story because what it allows me to be before Jesus is a human being. That I can bring all of myself before Jesus, all of my doubt and my hurt and my uncertainty and my cynicism, all the ways in which I I can't believe that it can actually get any better. I can bring that before Jesus. If I lean into Jesus, then surprising things can happen. There might be another way. The stories that we have currently don't have to be the stories that we will live with for the rest of our lives. I mean, that is good news. And that is only because of Jesus. So what's keeping you from coming to Jesus? What are the things plaguing your mind that make you sort of stand back from Jesus? Because what's easy is if we're kind of a disengaged or if we, we, if we have all of these things that, we're, that we think or that we struggle with and we stand back from Jesus or we stand back from the community and we think it's only on us to kind of figure it out and sort through, then what happens is we become spiritual critics. We become despairing. There is no hope because it's only you. But if we trust and we believe that Jesus has come to me, who you are, where you are, with whatever you have, then Jesus can make a difference in the lives that we are living. 
Because I don't know what picture it is. When you think of Jesus, when you think of God, I don't know what picture you have of what God is like and what he's concerned with. But I want to offer a picture a, f- a picture of who Jesus might be and what he might look like. If you can actually go, Mike, to the slide of the, the movie I was going to show or that I was going to talk about. So I'm still going to talk about this movie, but in a completely different way than I was going to. So um, this film, Calvary, is a remarkable movie, and it takes place in, in Ireland and in a small town in, in Ireland. And the great thing about this, this film is you, this person that you see, his name is Father James played by Brendan Gleeson. And he's an incredible priest. He's actually a very good priest. And the premise of the film is it begins with he's in a confessional and you hear the voice of someone next to him and he says, he begins to tell the story of how he has actually been abused by the church. And so you don't see the character, but he, he, he goes on with the story and he says, well, what would be the point in actually killing a bad priest? That'd get no news, but killing a good one Now that might get some attention. And so he tells Father James that he has a week. And and then he's going to be killed. And this film is actually a comedy. um, Or a black comedy. But it it, it makes sense. It's Irish. So, um, So what happens is this father is actually going through his town. Meeting with the people of his parish. That most everyone can't stand him. But they can't deny that he's a good priest. They can't deny that he's actually really good at what he does. He becomes like this picture or this, this light in this very dark, this dark town. But this dark town is also surrounded by all this beauty. It's just an imag- like a, a pretty remarkable like, tension that you see in the film between what's beautiful and what's tragic. But what you have is this priest who is trying to still be in the midst of the affairs of this people. Despite what people think of him, despite all the crass things that people might throw at him, despite the very fact that he's going to be murdered and killed, he can't help but be involved in the messiness of the world that he's in. That is an amazing picture of Jesus. That's a beautiful image of God coming to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Who doesn't stand far off and back and say, oh my goodness, how gross. That's so demented. Oh yeah, he's apathetic. Just forget about him. That person doesn't even think about me. He's an atheist. I mean, all these different ways in which these people represent us in this film, represent us. But here's Father James in the midst of it all, not willing to leave. Wants to, and even, like, messes with the idea. And then he can't help but turn back around and be in it again. That is God. That is the God that we see in Jesus, the one who is in it. The one who is with us in it. The one who, though despite the stories that we read about and we hear and the names that we prayed about, 
He is in it. Jesus is with us. In our mess, in all of the ways that we make messes, God is with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the God that comes to mind. That's the Jesus that comes to mind when those words are said to us, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. A God who is in it with us, in our mess, in our dysfunction, in our craziness. He's not detached, but he's engaged. And we, as followers of Jesus, are called to be the same thing. Not detached, but engaged. When our world feels much like the boy in the story where it seems like it's foaming at the mouth, where it seems like the world is being thrown down into fire, it seems like chaos is ensuing, we, like the Father, might have hope, might believe, even with our unbelief, that we might bring the world and all of the stories, all of the things that we hear, all of ourselves to Jesus and say, if you can, if you can, Heal if you can restore, if you can reconcile. I believe, help my unbelief. And because there needs to be no pretense before Jesus, and because we can come to him as we are, and because it's Jesus himself in it with us, then it's possible that we might be surprised. And where there was no way, there might now be a way. Thanks be to God. I'm going to pray. Father, help us, move us, compel us to come to you, to your son Jesus. Thank you that you have given us a picture of yourself that is with us in all of our stuff. I pray and ask that you would loosen all of the ways in which we are shackled to whatever it might be, to our shame, to our lusts, to our addictions, to our, to our despair. Give us freedom. Give us hope. Give us rest. Jesus.